ever wonder when Spider-Man goes to the bathroom if the toilet paper sticks to his fingers? You ever wonder why Superman wears his underwear outside of his pants? My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock! And he's the nerd. And we're your hosts for the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we sometimes try to attempt to answer these questions. This is a full spoiler podcast, and we swear a lot. Check it out for awesome geek news, interviews, and comic book reviews. Visit jockandnerd.com. We are your superhero TV, movies, and comic book culture curators. Boom. Jockandnerd.com. Jockandnerd! Hey, this is Brad Geiger from Evil Incorporated, and when I'm not spreading terror into the hearts of good people everywhere, I'm listening to Adrian Has Issues, one of my favorite podcasts. Take it away, Adrian. Hey guys, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian, and I'm very excited about today's show. Um, I have a first-time guest, and I have a returning guest who's been on the show, what, two times so far, I think? Two, three times? Three times, I think. So I guess I should probably introduce our first-time guest, George Trispas. How's it going, Trip? How's it going? <laughs> He's tripping over your name, George. Oh, it happens. It happens. He said it right the first time, but now he had to think about it, and that's when I got messed up. Yeah, because I was like, "You said the name. I'm reading the name, and I guess I got like a little too ahead of myself there." Oh, it's totally fine, man. Don't worry. It's George Tripsis, but it's all good. <laughs> oh man, starting off on the right foot here, and the host of Comical Podcast, Justin Corbett, is returning for his third or fourth time on the show, but. What's great is he and George are here for an entirely different reason. Uh, you guys have actually started your own comic book company. Yes, we have. That's correct. I'm going to just jump right into it. Justin, I've known you from your show, Comical Podcast. You've been on the show a few times talking geek stuff. But it's been a while since I chatted with you. I know you've actually done an appearance on a pre-existing comic not too long ago. So how did that come about, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, are you talking about Morning Glories? Morning Glories, that's it, yes. Yeah, so uh, Joe Eisma, the artist for Morning Glories, posted on Facebook asking for his friends and, and various people to send him images of themselves. And then he was going to select various people to add in as background characters in the book. And since we had interviewed him and we're, we're friends with Joe, uh, he decided to do me and Miguel fairly quickly. So I ended up being drawn into the book as a security guard who's like kicking a little girl in the back of the head. Yeah. As you normally would. <laughs> Miguel hasn't made it into the book yet, but uh, Joe's promised him he'll be in there soon. Oh, man, I'm pretty excited to see what he's going to be doing because kicking a girl, I mean, oh, please, this is going to sound so bad, though, but <laughs> that's a pretty interesting way to be uh, featured into a comic book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had no idea what he was going to do with my likeness, but, you know, it, it's fine. I thought it was funny. I'm, I'm pretty sure Miguel has been really pestering him to make him die in some kind of interesting way. So I'm hoping that, that he fulfills all of Miguel's dreams and makes that happen. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. I saw the announcement a while back that uh, you were starting a company working on your first titles. So what was the inspiration behind that move? You know, I've been interviewing creators for three years now, almost. Every time I talked to somebody, I was like, man, this sounds just like something I would love to do. But I wasn't super motivated until this past year to even begin looking at it. And I had some stories that were floating around in my head. And I finally put pen to paper and came up with an outline for one. And I like the basic story, but I, I didn't like it as much as uh, some of the stories that George told me he had. George is actually a podcaster as well. He's on the Metal Geeks podcast. That's right. I'm one of the three co-hosts. And uh, he and I became friends. And uh, we were actually at the birthday party for Kerry Gordon, the main host of Metal Geeks. And we started talking about comics and script writing and things like that. And George, he has a movie background. He's been writing scripts since he was a little kid and he pitched this idea to me and said, Hey, I'd really like to see this become like a comic book. And I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds really cool. And he's like, well, would you want to help me write it? And I said, sure. Here we are seven months later. Here we are like the funny thing is sometimes, <laughs> you know, you start collaborating on something, but it never really comes to fruition. You know, we had one right. meeting and it was kind of like, well, are we really going to follow through with this? And you know, both of us seemed really committed to it. So we just kept pushing forward and I'm really, really happy with the results. Yeah, uh, we came up with an awesome story. And like uh, Justin said, I originally came up with this idea for a uh, 
I originally wanted to do a short film about this idea, and then I realized I'm never going to have the money to make this into a movie. <laughs> and uh, so I was telling Justin, like, man, what could I do about this? And Justin kind of gave me the idea of make it into a comic book. And then I know nothing about writing, like writing comic books. I know about writing movies, and I love reading comic books. And Justin knows more about that than anyone else I know. So he was just the the perfect partner in this uh, situation. Plus, George and I have a really similar sense of humor. And, yes. I mean, half the time <laughs> our writing sessions are just us sitting there laughing at each other like a couple of idiots. But um, it's, it's always a lot of fun. <laughs> Isn't it crazy just how ideas get started? Like you guys are just hanging out and it's like, hey, I got this idea. You want to do it? It's like, OK. You know, like you think about so many great comics and probably even movies that eventually end up getting made where it just starts on a simple question of, hey, I have this idea. Would you want to be involved in it? And here you are. It's mind blowing because you always think to yourself, you think of all these great stories, and I'm like, man, it must have been crazy to get this stuff done. It's like, nope, not nearly as crazy as you think. It just asks somebody, hey, you want to be a part of this? I'm like, all right, I got enough to do. <laughs> well, it definitely takes a lot of commitment, no matter what kind of creative project I think you're doing. I mean, oh, yeah. There's a lot of people that just don't have the drive to get this kind of thing done because it's been a lot of work. I mean, George and I have been meeting at least twice a week, and those meetings are usually six or seven hours long. Like, we've been working nonstop on the Kickstarter for the last week and a half. Uh, I've been up till like 4.30 a.m. pretty much every <laughs> single day trying to get this thing finished, and, and we're finally done. It's finally 100% ready to go. Um, and, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks awesome. I have to admit, it looks pretty great. I guess you should probably let everybody else know the title and maybe kind of like an elevator pitch as to what the comic is about. All right. So the, the book is called Speak No Evil, and it's a story that takes place in the 1930s about two teenage brothers who kind of get by by scamming people and stealing stuff. But um, they end up stealing some stuff from the wrong guy and being forced to go on the run. Well, when they're on the run, they end up finding this cabin they, they hide out in. And of course, they're not going to like, you know, sit on their hands and do nothing. They explore the cabin. And the interesting thing about the cabin is that 10 years before the boy showed up there, it was used for some strange experiments. H.P. Lovecraft and Nikola Tesla united to try to find a way to contact another dimension. And they, were, they were successful and evil came through. Because of that, they ended up boxing everything up and just walking away from the project because they were both terrified of what they found. So now the boys are at the cabin and they're about to change their lives forever. That's basically the, the big the <laughs> elevator pitch for the book. That's the that's the whole story in a nutshell, at least the first issue. Yeah. Wow. So you said yourself this was a script before you guys decided to turn into a comic book. Treatment script, same thing, I guess. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's one of those things that it's funny. For someone who's trying to get into that uh, part of the business, it makes you know a little bit more about it. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. So how did that story come about? Because, I mean, shoot, I mean, Lovecraft, Tesla, I mean, I'm already sold. I don't know about anybody else, though. <laughs> I think that sells a lot of people on it, just the mention of Lovecraft's name. The way it came about is uh, one day I saw a, uh, a really cool, like, poster or fan fiction poster of Tesla and Lovecraft as monster hunters. And I remember talking about it with some friends of mine, like, man, wouldn't it be crazy if that actually existed or if that was real? And I kind of just took that idea of them two living in the same space and being friends and ran with it and came up with this story. And then me and Justin just developed on the idea and made it into this great thing that we have now, which is Speak No Evil. Yeah, we fleshed the whole thing out and we added a lot of comedy elements to it once we started working on it together. I mean, the, the basic premise was that they created this way to contact another dimension and then walked away from it and two brothers find it. I mean, that's the baseline of the plot. But we ended up adding a lot of heart and a lot of humor to it because the brothers, they talk a lot of trash to each other. They make fun of each other constantly. But when push comes to shove and shit hits the fan, they take care of each other and they always like have that brotherly love kind of thing going on. So you really get a feel for the characters and you really appreciate them, I think, in the book. Also, the two brothers, they learn how to grow up as individuals while going through this whole ordeal. Yeah, I guess that's probably what caused anybody to grow up very quickly. <laughs> I mean, nothing tells anybody to mature faster than like unspeakable terror coming down on them yeah yeah that's very true and it <laughs> happens very quickly for the two brothers i mean shit like i'm one of those people like the few times i drive and i get into a near miss i immediately start going through everything wrong in my life and I'm like you know what maybe i should change my ways so if a near miss <laughs> car accident could do that i can't imagine unleashing evil incarnate what that does to a person 
they have a couple more trials than just that. That's just the major one in the story. <laughs> right. Uh, they're constantly <laughs> questioning reality and the things that happen to them because you get the feeling that a lot of stuff goes wrong for them all the time. And uh, the younger brother is very keen to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's actually a really cool angle because, I mean, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with the horror comic, but even in the case of supernatural stories, the human element is what really makes it stand out. Yeah, of course. You know, I don't even need monsters. Just give me two guys in a cabin <laughs> bickering for about, like, five issues, and I'm straight. Oh, there's, there's a lot of that. And the first two issues are probably going to be some of your favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many issues are you planning? Is it going to be a mini, or is this going to be an ongoing? It's what I like to call a maxi-series. <laughs> it's a Justin in, in, invention as well. Yeah, it's, it a, it's 20 issues. We have a beginning, middle, and end planned out for the entire story. It's 20 issue run, two 10 issue arcs. Uh, we have the first three issues of the book fully written, ready to go. Our art team is working on them as we speak. We have like an overview for the next three after that. And then from six to 10, uh, we don't have any of the stuff written out for that yet, but we know exactly how it's supposed to end for the first arc. So, we have the story already like moving along. Like We're going to be ready to go for issue two as soon as issue one is printed up. Those meetings must really be paying off. Yeah, we have been meeting twice a week almost. And a lot of it would be us talking about the story and talking about the characters. And since I come from a film background, I'm, I'm really keen on characters and what each character <laughs> is doing. Make sure that everything that they do has meaning and progresses the story further. And uh, all that stuff's really important to me, but at the same time, I want it to be fun and entertaining. Are there any challenges you face coming from a film background to then adapting that to a comic? For me especially, yes. Just figuring out the script writing format for comics alone. Uh, I thought it was going to be an easy transition, but turns out it's way different than what, what we both thought. And uh, we kind of like overstuffed some scenes in our first couple of drafts of issue one. And I, how many drafts did we end up finishing with issue one, uh, Justin? Seven, Was it seven, seven or eight? Seven final drafts. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were trying to make too much stuff happen in issue one. And then Justin had to like rein me back. He's like, dude, you got to be like serious about this and not be crazy. One of the biggest issues going from like screen script writing to comic script writing is that you can only have one action per panel. So that was something that George and I both struggled with in our first draft was we had multiple people doing multiple things. And like it read really well. Like if you handed the script to somebody, they'd read it and be like, oh, this sounds really cool. But we had to like pull that back a lot and really pay attention to the fact that characters were only doing one thing per panel. Yeah, that's something I, you know, you don't really think about as far as the actions where you can't really overstuff it. And believe me, I've read comics where that happens. And yeah, it's probably much easier to do than most people think. Definitely. Yeah, oh, it definitely is. Uh, I think our first issue, we it was like almost seven panels per page. Initially, yeah. Yeah, initially. And then we had to like go back and fix some stuff because we realized it was kind of, it, it was too much going on. So luckily, we have a really good editor who's been helping us uh, adjust. Meredith, that. right? Yeah, Meredith Nudo. Yeah. Uh, but issue two, we've come a long way in such a short time because issue two doesn't have any of those problems. Like we got three or four panel pages almost entirely through the book, and uh, it's a lot of action scenes. Like the comic's very action y. Like it's very cinematic, it's actually. very cinematic right? as well, yeah. Like, it's horror, it's comedy, it's action, it's um, it's a little, a little bit of heart. I mean, there's something for everybody, I think, in the book. It is really cool to have somebody with, let's say, a film background working on the comic process because, I mean, obviously, Justin, you're a comic book fan, and as am I, but to have somebody who's on the other side of that who, you know, I think in a way it helps maybe frame the action. And I don't necessarily mean like, you know, guns and bullets, but as far as how the characters and layouts and how everything should work in terms of the artwork. Yeah, George is really good at telling me how he wants a scene to look. And then I'm really good at putting it to paper so that the artist can figure out what we intended. <laughs> like, it, it, I, I almost feel like I'm more of the script writer than the actual storyteller. Like, George is the storyteller and I'm just I'm just translating it for comics. That's almost what it feels like. <laughs> no, that's not true. He writes amazing dialogue. Don't let, uh, well, don't let okay, anybody. Yeah. I do a lot of the dialogue. That is true. But the story <laughs> elements are. are I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll give Justin like, hey, he should say something like this. And Justin's like, OK, I got a much better way to say that. Hold on. <laughs> that's true. That does happen a lot. <laughs> 
But still, Justin, man, like, proud of you. It's so cool. Like, a year ago, you know, we are just talking about the podcast and, you know, what we thought about Secret Wars, and here you are. It's like, hey, I'm interviewing you for your comic book. So, again, like, I can't imagine how crazy that must be because um, at the time we're recording this, you're pretty much on the eve of the Kickstarter, and I don't know, I'd be sweating like crazy. I'm I'm really not that worried. I feel like I built up a lot of goodwill over the last two or three years doing the podcast, and I have so many people that are willing to come out and support it and share it and promote it, I feel fairly confident we're going to get funded. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I mean, that's, that's really how I feel. Like I've heard so many good things from the people that have read the script and everybody loves the artwork. Our artist is absolutely incredible. Uh, I haven't heard a single person say anything negative about the art. I, I'm not worried at all. Honestly, I feel pretty confident about it. I'm excited and nervous because uh, this is my first time doing Kickstarter anything. So there's there's my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking about the creative team, but I guess we should probably throw some names out there for anybody who's interested. So who else is on this roster of badasses? Well, we have uh, a Brazilian artist. His name is Samir Samal, and he's about to explode and become like a Marvel artist or something. I mean, he's on the cusp of getting picked up by somebody big because he's just fantastic. Like when you see the art, you're going to be like, wow, how is this guy not already working for a big two company? I'm, I'm astonished that we even found him and that he wanted to work on our project, <laughs> but he's so talented. Um, and then after him, we have a colorist uh, from China. Her name is Chunlin Zhao, and she's just as good a colorist as he is an artist. The two of them are a match made in heaven. Their stuff looks just incredibly astonishingly good. Um, I'm so proud to have both of them working with us. And then our letterer is a guy named Benjamin Krieger from Oregon. Um, he actually owns his own comic publishing company called warrior Innkeeper creative. Uh, but we've had him on comical podcast a couple of times, real fun guy, real easy laid back. Um, and also a fantastic letterer. He has his own book called black suit of death. That's coming out later this year. So he's also working on it and uh, he's kind of helped us a little bit with facilitating the Kickstarter process and, and some of my own like editing hangups, but he's going to be doing our lettering. He has a lot of really cool ideas for what he's going to do in that regard for the book. Um, and then like we said, Meredith Nudo is our, our editor and for the Kickstarter, we actually have some really cool variant covers and prints we're giving away. These are a lot of comical podcast alumni that are, are working on these variant covers. The first one is Devin Kraft, who's a really popular artist in Dallas and Houston. Um, the second one is James Linares, who uh, is an up-and-coming comic book artist here in Houston as well. And then the third one is Chris Ryder, who does the Horse Minions comic that you may be familiar with <laughs> if you listen to my show. So uh, we've got a great team. Everybody involved is just doing a, a fantastic job. And I'm... I'm more excited about Saturday being able to show everybody the art for the first time than I am about anything else. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're, I'm, I'm almost positive we're going to get funded, but I really just want to put it out there so people can see it and finally like show a little bit of it to the world because we've been working so hard on it and I'm really proud of what we've gotten done so far. It was really amazing to see our first couple of pages come in. It was just like something that we wrote came out, come out looking so beautiful. It looks I, the words can't really describe how I felt at that moment. Yeah, me neither. It's it's such a cool and, and unique feeling. What are some of the rewards for the Kickstarter? Well, we'll take any amount of money. I mean, if you want to donate a dollar, uh, we'll give you a thank you in the back of the book. Like, I mean, if you don't have a lot to give, any little bit helps because we got to get the money raised. We're asking for 4800 total. At the $5 level, you get the digital copy of the comic. At the $10 level, you get the physical copy signed by the two of us, plus access to our Speak No Evil podcast, which we're calling Speak Some Evil. And it's a behind-the-scenes <laughs> the, nice. look at uh, the creative process that George and I have gone through. Uh, we're actually doing two of those. The first one's only available at the low levels, or it's available through all the levels, I mean. And the second one's only available at the higher levels. And then beyond that, we have the three different variant covers that are going to be available as prints. And those start running, I think, at $25. You get the signed book, the digital copy, the podcast, one and two, and the print. The yeah, that's time. the highest level to get both uh, both uh, podcasts. Both podcasts, yeah. That's the lowest lowest one you can come in on and get both. Uh, at $35, you get all that stuff plus two prints. At $45, you get all that plus all three prints. At $40, we have a T-shirt. We have two different designs you can choose from, uh, which you'll get in lieu of the prints. You can get the T-shirts and the podcasts and the signed copy. And then I think at $100, we will have Samir draw your likeness into the second issue of the book. Uh, we have, I think, four different characters that we have no idea what they're supposed to look like yet. So if you want to donate $100, you'll get the physical copy of the book, plus all the digital stuff, plus the ability to have yourself drawn into it. So that's kind of cool for some people. At $175, we have the actual physical pages, uh, penciled in ink from Samir, that we'll be sending out. We have 10 different ones that we're giving away at this level. 
Um, and it's first come, first serve. So however quickly you can support us, you'll get that place in line to make a choice out of the 10 that we have available. And then at the $500 level, that's what we're calling the executive producer level. You get pretty much one of everything. There's uh, there's two of those available and there's two physical pages, uh, the pencils and inks from Samir as well. And then you get a t-shirt and like all the digital stuff, all three variant cover prints, and then the physical copy signed. And I think that's it. An executive producer credit. Yeah. And that's everything. And that's everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then actually we do have uh, one other thing, add-ons. Oh yeah. At the $20 add-on level, you can actually purchase the comic with one of the variant covers printed onto it. So you can't get that as an actual reward, but if you get a, a different level of reward, you can add that on for an additional $20 and you can get any of the variant covers actually printed onto your comic. I noticed with a lot of Kickstarters and believe me, it's not necessarily a complaint. So I apologize that it sounds like I'm being a dick about it. Um, but you know, with a lot of Kickstarters for comics, you know, you get these really cool variants and they usually come in the form of prints, but then there's some artwork that's like, Oh, this is really cool. And like most variants you want to see like actually on a page. Mm-hmm. So it is really cool that you are throwing in like that extra just to have, you know, for people who really want to see that like on the book itself. And I think that's a really nice touch. Yeah, I thought so too. And I like the fact that it's an add on. So you're already supporting us some other way. And then, you can get the variant cover to go along with whatever other level you've chosen. The t-shirts look great too. Those are also in the add-on section and then you can buy more prints as well if uh, if you want to get like extra prints at one of the other levels. How do you guys find the time? Between, you know, other obligations and obviously we're all podcasters because I struggle just to get the one show done. Here you guys are. You have your own separate shows. You're doing a podcast for Speak No Evil and of course you're on the Kickstarter so have you guys slept in the last several months? You know not me, much. Adrian. I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, not much. Not at all. <laughs> Justin, I feel like you're kind of an insomniac by trade. George, I don't know, man. It seems like you're kind of fading here. <laughs> you're probably like, I can't keep this guy's schedule. Trust me, there are times where Justin's telling me he's up at four in the morning and I just think he's a, a crazy person. <laughs> he kind of is, though. But, you know, don't tell him that. I, okay, I, I, tr- I, I, I try know. not to. I already know. It's not a secret. <laughs> I, have, I haven't slept since I was like 12 years old. So funny thing is that's around the time when I stopped sleeping. Yeah. I get like three to four hours a night at best usually. So you get used to it. I after don't know. A while. <laughs> I, I blame like late night cable and like weird music videos. Cause it's like once you're 10 years old and you see like your first tool video at like three in the morning, you'll never sleep again. <laughs> That was what that was a time where they still showed music videos, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's some rumor that MTV is somehow revamping or is doing some sort of like offshoot where they may be doing music videos again. Like I don't know how true that is, but I had heard some rumor and I'm like, um, all right. I think they tried that before and it's just not been successful because the younger Yeah, the younger it was called MTV two, wasn't it? Aren't interested in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll never be the way it was in like the nineties and eighties, man. MTV <laughs> used to mean something. <laughs> I guess it still does, but um, unfortunately, the things that it means, I'm not sure if I can actually repeat on a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it means garbage is what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so seeing as how obviously you guys uh, met a lot of people between like the podcast and, of course, with the horse medians, are there any sort of surprises, any special like guest stars, anybody that you can maybe tease who may be in the book at any point? Oh, yeah, we're definitely adding people that we know into the story. Actually, the bartender in the second issue is based on Carrie, the guy I mentioned before, the host of Metal Geeks. Uh, Miguel is going to be in the fourth issue. We have a horse demon that's going to appear. Um, how could he not, <laughs> right? He's got to be a part of it. Uh, we, have, we have a lot of stuff planned for people that we know. So uh, whenever we need likenesses or we come up with an idea for a character, we don't have anybody. We may be reaching out to some of our friends to supply images of themselves to use. And Samir is going to be more than accommodating, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the only thing is, I don't know. It's like, oh, can you, can you use my likeness? Like, sure. And, of course, uh, everybody will get their wish, much like Miguel, where everybody just gets eviscerated. <laughs> like, and okay. That's kind of like, where I'm hoping to go with it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, on the script, it literally is like, okay, let's see. Our best friend Bob, who's also a security guard in the next issue, and he also gets cut in half. Who has the worst death in this story? All right, that's who that person's going to be. <laughs> well, I don't know if anybody <laughs> can really beat Louie. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. The, 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 the first major death that occurs happens in issue two. Well, that's not true. I guess the, the first major first death major in, in, the, in, issue one. in the current timeline, the first major death happens in issue two. And uh, it's it's a stunning one. Like You won't be able to forget it, that's for sure. 
<laughs> I reached this idea to Justin, and Justin was like, something's wrong with you. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know if we're going to be able to make that work. But we made it work, and, and what we came up with is pretty spectacular. <laughs> See, I'd just be afraid, though, because, like, I feel like with every friend that you put into the book, you know, you get the few who are like, hey, how come I died worse than the other guy? Like, you know, what's going on? That just means how much we care. Yeah. The more brutally you die, that means that's the more we love you. That's like a Kickstarter award in and of itself. You know, for at this price point, you get murdered in the most horrible way possible by the most frightening of the demons. I'd be happy to have one of those rewards. With the comic book coming out, obviously you guys have the company behind the Grey Bear Comics. Is this the plan now that once you are kind of made your way with uh, Speak No Evil, uh, do you have any sort of plans for uh, for any other titles, or are you just going to concentrate on this one for the time being? Well, actually, George is a fountain of ideas. Uh, <laughs> I talk to George every day, and he's just like, hey, Justin, what do you think about this as an idea? And I'm like, holy crap, that's better than the one you gave me yesterday. <laughs> and I mean, it's constant with him. He's got so many great ideas and like in, in like a 15 minute conversation, he and I can come up with the entire plot line for like the first six issues of any book and like come up with who the major character is going to be and how they're going to work. I mean, we sit down to eat and, and by the time dinner's over, we've come up with like the overview for an entire story. So we've got already like three or four of those really good ones, like sitting on the sidelines waiting for us to just find the time to write them. Right now, our main focus is Speak No Evil, but I think we do have plans for the next book once this is done, which will be a surprise. I, I'm not going to ruin it now. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, working on this project with George and getting the opportunity to write again really kind of lit a fire in me. I mean, it's something I, I loved doing when I was a kid. I had aspirations of being a writer my, my entire childhood, and I just kind of put it by the wayside because somewhere along the way, somebody told me creative types just don't make money. And so I moved on to podcasting, which you make all the money in the world in podcasting. Well, no, right? I mean, I moved are on you to- kidding me? We are like rich. Are you kidding? I, I'm actually recording this on my yacht. I don't know if you can hear like the ocean behind me and the party going on. Oh, is that what that uh, is know. in the background? Okay. I moved on to like yeah. professional gaming and, uh, you know, various other ways to make money. And I was fairly successful in those, but it wasn't until like I enjoy podcasting, but the creative process on that is, is, not so much different than just having a conversation with your friends. I mean, there's a lot that goes into editing, but it's not really you're creating that much. With writing, though, I really felt like my creative juices were working the way they hadn't been used in such a long time, and I I love it. And now that I've been doing it for a while, I really think this is something I would want to do like as a career. Like, I would love to be able to write comics for a living and podcast for a living and not have to worry about having a 9-to-5 job. Eventually, I'm going to convince Justin to not just settle on comics, but write movies with me. Well, I'm not going to take much convincing. (laughs) (laughs) It may take some work because I'm now that I'm used to writing comic script formats, it's going to be hard to transition back to movie script formats. Yeah, it's not going to take take much. It's kind of the same thing. Like everything superheroes are comic books now. You got it. You're already in. (laughs) If only it was that easy. Have you seen some of the stuff that's come out lately? But let me not be mean. Like movie wise or comic book wise? Or a little bit of bull column A, little column B. Okay. But, uh, George, uh, I guess we should probably get to your backstory because um, I feel bad because, I mean, Justin and I, we've known each other for a while, but I guess oh, we should probably okay. get into a little bit of your origin story a little bit. So, uh, of course. how did you end up in this crazy world of uh, filmmaking? Uh, as a child, I was a huge Indiana Jones fan, and I loved Indiana Jones so much that I wanted to be Indiana Jones. And I came to the realization one day that Indiana Jones was a fictional character, and I was heartbroken. <laughs> I love how we laugh at your heartbreak. Like, this is your most traumatic childhood moment. Oh, no, no, this is nowhere near George's most traumatic childhood moment. I've heard George's stories. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day, while I was, like, down in my slopes, you know, crying over Indiana Jones not being real, it was on PBS and it was the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark came on, and I watched the whole one-hour special that they had, and I was like blown away that these people not only created this amazing world for this character to live in, but they were, you know, they were acting in it and they were telling them what to do and how to do it. And I wanted to be the guy in the baseball cap, which sure enough was Steven Spielberg. And what kid who loves films don't want to be Steven Spielberg? Yeah, especially at that time. I mean, he was just firing at all cylinders. Of course. And uh, ever since then, I I said I want to be that guy. And uh, I kind of delved in to figure out what he did and how he did it and how to do it. And I've been trying to do that ever since. 
in a nutshell, that's my life story, I guess. <laughs> that's very cool. And part of me, like, I felt so bad because you just, like, you know, got a baseball cap. Like, wait, short round? <laughs> yeah. If I was Asian, yeah, that'd be totally the way to go. But I am it's not like Asian. Every kid dreams of being an Asian kid in a mine cart. <laughs> hey, it looks like a fun ride. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, exactly. I saw I saw the Indiana Jones Adventure at uh, Universal Studios, or is it Disney World? I think it was I think Disney. It was World. Universal, or was it Disney? It, yeah, well, it was the MGM Studios connected to Disney World is what it oh, was. Oh, that's right. And it's no longer called MGM or something. Yeah. Carrie would know because Carrie's the Disney nerd. <laughs> uh, and then uh, after that, I just kind of got into creative writing in school, and uh, that led into me wanting to, you know get into video filmmaking and I did filmmaking and writing and then I also got into photography and then one day I met Carrie and Carrie and I hit it off pretty well and we became podcast friends and I became a host on Metal Geeks and that's how I met Justin and now we're making our own comic book. It's crazy how the world works, man. Carrie was somebody I didn't even know. I mean, we, we've been doing comical for about a year and Comic Palooza was coming up. And we were going to go there and, and participate. And I posted something on the Comic Palooza forums, and Carrie responded and said, "Hey, I didn't know you were a podcaster in Houston." He's like, "Why don't you come and meet me at this place and we can talk?" And I was just kind of like, uh, "That's kind of weird, but okay, sure." And that's where he murders you. And I'm then I, I met Carrie, and and we both kind of hit it off a little bit. And then he's like, "You know, after recovering from that blackjack hit to the back of the head." You know? <laughs> I mean, ever since then, though, I mean, we've been we've worked on so many projects together, and both shows are constantly working to support each other. So. It worked out really well. I'm glad I wouldn't met Carrie that day. That's all I can say because I wouldn't have met George without it. It's true. <laughs> and we wouldn't be here today. Where do you go from here? Like, you've already got a comic book out. And at that point, I'm just like, all right, you've clearly made it. You don't really need to do much of anything else. Well, w- once we're, you know, living off of people buying our comic books, that's when I, that's why I'll say we're, uh, we made it. But That's a long ways off, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're a little ways away from that, but we'll see. The goal right now is to get the comic finished being produced, get the art finished, get the inking done and the lettering and all that kind of stuff, print it up, um, and then submit it digitally for all the major digital platforms, and then take the physical copies on tour and just kind of go to all the local cons we can hit and try to uh, meet some publishers and pitch it to them and see if they're interested. I mean, I, I would love for this book to get picked up, and I think our art quality alone is enough to get the book picked up, but our story is really good too, so I'm hoping that somebody out there likes it. Hey, well, look at it this way. I mean, shoot, you ever thought of the possibility of, like, you know, if the comic takes off, you've already kind of got us good for it. Any chance of then maybe, you know, working back around to its original format? Uh, actually, I've been more and more we've been writing about it. I've been thinking about turning it into an animated TV show. Uh, of course, it would be like adult theme animated TV show, but I, I think right. that would be the perfect medium for this. Yeah, it would be definitely a lot cheaper than trying to do actual CGI demons and stuff. You could <laughs> it's very true. Draw them in. And I think, unfortunately, after all these years, there's still that push and pull of animation where people aren't sure where to put it. I mean, shoot, I was watching, what's the DC movie? Son of Batman. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through the animation section, and I kid you not, it was like one notch over from like Caillou. And I'm just saying to myself, um, these two cartoons, completely different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of them involves um, a the, the bastard child of uh, Batman and Raj al Ghul. I mean, Tali al Ghul, rather. Oh, wow, that would have been an interesting. <laughs> That's a very progressive Batman story you're reading. <laughs> <laughs> In, like, the first 20 minutes, there's people getting, you know, cut down with swords and, you know, shot at point-blank range with shotguns. And I'm like, why is this in a children's section? So it would be really cool to see some animation that's, you know, a lot more uh, mature-themed and not right next to, like, you know, Daniel Tiger. Because <laughs> that becomes very interesting um, when I'm watching stuff with, like, my girlfriend and her kids. Where it's like, oh, hey, let's put the- Wait, nope, can't do that. Although I do have a type of animation style that I know I would want it to look like. I would want it to look very similar to uh, uh, any of y'all watch Gravity Falls? I've never watched Yes. No. All right. So the opening animation that they do for Gravity Falls, that's the kind of style I would totally would want for this for this comic. If it ever, if it ever became like a TV show or animated movie. With this premise, with that animation style, that can be very awesome because, Justin, um, again, I apologize if I spoil it, but... If you if you need, really need to see Gravity Falls, it's an amazing show. So I've been told, like Think you said either, before, I, where does the time come from? <laughs> <laughs> a lot it's of only two seasons. Back, is it only two seasons? I thought it was longer than that. No, it's only two seasons. Oh man, it's like two very long TV network seasons, but they're two seasons. 
Oh, wow. I thought it was much longer than that. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, Justin. Um, don't tell you what Miguel says. Um, you should totally break bathroom code and just watch Netflix when you're on the toilet. If you got a mobile app, you're good to go. <laughs> I don't even think it's on Netflix, but um, if it is, there you go. I'll, I'll make an effort to watch it at some point. Um, I've, I've heard good things from a lot of people, so uh, I, I feel like I need to at some point. Yeah, it's got the sentimentality of like you know your typical Disney cartoon, but it's really warped. And there's some episodes that I'm actually kind of wondering how they even made it to air on that network. Well, it's anything too explicit, but it gets like just strangely macabre. The way I explained it, it's like uh, uh, what was that uh, David Lynch television show? Uh, Twin, Twin Pines. Pete's? Yeah, Twin Peaks. It's like Twin Peaks, but for children. Yeah, I could buy that. All right. <laughs> Stop convincing me. I'll, I'll do it. I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's less convincing and more of just chastising you for not doing it already. Because I'm just doing to you what was done to me. Because somebody, a friend of mine, was like, you know, especially Twitter was very big on Gravity Falls. And I'm like, I was just tired of all these gifts and memes being shared. And it's like, all right, fine, I'll watch it. But then it's like, I couldn't stop watching it. Well, the thing is, I, I follow like, 35 to 50 shows per season. So I'm, I'm already watching like an insane amount of TV on top of all the crazy amount of comics I read on top of doing the podcast on top of writing. So finding any additional time for any additional, anything is very hard on top of being married and, and having a life as well. <laughs> See, Adrian, what you don't know, Justin is a time traveler. He just doesn't tell anybody. <laughs> no, I freeze time. That's what it is. That's the only way I get this done. <laughs> I'm like the guys from sex criminals. That's all. I was, thank you. Took the word right out of my mouth. That's how he gets things done. He gets it on with his wife and uh, gets to do everything. I start every morning that way, you know, <laughs> 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 oh, that's disturbing. <laughs> oh, man. I was going to say, come on, guys, we're podcasters. We don't have lives. What are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I have somewhat of a life. It's a day job, but it's, you know, nothing exciting. Yeah, I, I have a little bit of a life. I mean, I have a lot of projects, and then I have a small, small life. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, look, and you wouldn't have had it any other way. So I guess it's no, like, you no, know I'm, what? I'm totally happy. Like, I'm I'm happier now than I think I ever have been. Uh, just working all the stuff I'm working on. I mean, all my projects I love, and I feel like a lot of other people enjoy them too, and I like making people laugh, and uh, I think all that stuff is just really beneficial to my mental health, so it's uh, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. Working on this comic with Justin has been an amazing, amazing ride and fun, and I can't wait to continue and make more stuff with him. Same here. Same here, buddy. Uh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh, you got the horror, you got the comedy, and you got the the human side. <laughs> it's a perfect example of what our comic's like. <laughs> With a little dash of dick and ball jokes here and there. Yeah. Of course. I was going to say, that's kind of par for the course. I'd be morally remiss. Like, I'm halfway through, like, issue two. I'm like, all right, there's not one dick joke in here. Oh, man. There is a great <laughs> dick joke in issue two. Uh, mind you, anybody who reads it, if they stick to issue two... It was a great dick joke that had me rolling on the floor. Should we tell them about the the original conception of it and uh, and what you wanted to call the gun? <laughs> okay, that's a weird segue, but you know what? I'm going to roll with it. You have to tell me now. So we, we were trying to find uh, slang for the word penis from the 1930s. 19, 1930s, yeah. 1930s slang. Okay. So, I mean, we were, we were looking for dick and, and cock and stuff like that. But we, we, you know, we, we know the, the common ones. We were looking for something a little bit more edgy or a little bit more timely for that time period to fit into a joke we were trying to put. And George found Cranny Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Which, what the hell? Which I, I was like, that's so, that's so hilarious, but it's also gross. And I feel like if anybody reads Cranny Hunter, the situation we're putting it, it's going to come across like horribly, horribly gross. I was like, so what we need to do is just save that and use it as an insult later on, because then it, it kind of (laughs) works. That is amazing slang. Like, I feel like if you get called that, that's immediate fighting. Like, there's no what did you say? That's um, automatically pistols at dawn kind of thing. <laughs> or maybe poor choice of phrasing there, but you know. Oh man, that I've never heard that before, and that's like a legit thing that like existed. Yes, that was real slang from the 30s. Cranny hunter. Yeah, cranny penis. hunter, which <laughs> means your penis. Wow. I don't know. See, even like like old, like you know. Dick references seem so much more like articulate than <laughs> we've done. We've done like crazy amounts of research too, because one thing I wasn't really expecting about writing the comic was that since we're doing it in a, in a time period, since we're doing like yeah. the thirties, 
we wanted to make it as close to accurate as we could for the dialogue and things like that and the way people dress and all that kind of stuff. But not to be overbearing like the, the but movie But not to the be witch. overbearing, yeah. We didn't want to make it so time correct that uh, it didn't really translate well to the modern era. So like we could use certain kinds of, kinds of slang like um, hubbub and stuff like that, but we didn't want to say anything that was too strange or too like unusual for the, the modern Like speakeasy and booze and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, booze is kind of universal no matter what era it is. That's the one great thing. <laughs> right. I think, right. I think booze works a little bit better than hooch. Like, you call something hooch. Like, it works, but... Sounds weird. It sounds weird to the modern ear, you know? That is true. I said that at a party once, and people thought I was talking about vagina. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, maybe. I don't... You know, I was like, don't look at me weird. It's a thing. And I act after you, like, show like, on my phone. I'm like, wow. Maybe that doesn't work as well. You know what? Maybe I might have to try like Cranny Hunter or somebody just see if it works or if I get punched in the face. They're gonna give you I a double know. take and say, "What did you just call me? Like, did you call me a Cranny Hunter?" <laughs> or see, they'll probably think I'm saying Granny Hunter, which is even. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which is possibly a thing too. What? It could be. It could be a fetish for some people. It could be. Oh man. Oh, <laughs> oh God! Now I just realized I'm like it'll be my luck. I add that to the write up, and next you know, turns out there's a real website called that. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> now that you thought it, it must exist. It's that's how the porn works, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm just waiting for the speak no evil porn to. Uh, oh, <laughs> I imagine it'll be like that'd a be an early. amazing parody porn to see. I I would laugh my ass off. I would too. Yeah. Especially Is that, that, o- kind that of opening the- scene. <laughs> there's three of them and then the fourth one shows up <laughs> crawling through a portal <laughs> oh no <laughs> alright oh. now I'm sold like, okay you guys set it up perfectly honestly what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut out all of this and just add that last part there you go instant pitch there you go <laughs> speak no evil makes a perfect parody porn it could <laughs> which it I guess is can. that now like the new frontier is this the thing that like this is the uh, ultimate notification that you made it oh yeah that's yeah, definitely totally. how you know you made it they haven't an avengers parody porn i mean come on <laughs> i think they have like two of them by now I'm sure i've heard from porn. a friend i've heard from a friend i don't i don't know that myself <laughs> <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge, nudge, nudge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is your is your show all of a sudden sponsored by pornhub.com no but if they are willing to sponsor me i cannot say no yeah, that, I'm sure the I'm sure the rewards for that are probably like tremendous. Like <laughs> they're probably a great right? sponsor. <laughs> that was like way back when, because you know one of the biggest podcasts I had heard originally, you know, was Modcast among some local ones. And I just remember I was listening to it with a friend of mine, and we're riding in the car because that's usually you know heading to his places when we listen to podcasts. And as we're just jamming out, all of a sudden, like there's two guys talking about flashlight, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and like at the time I'm like I'm not necessarily approved but it just sort of boggled my mind it's like wait sex toys advertised on podcasts so then <laughs> you know years later you find out oh wait a minute I didn't realize this is the thing <laughs> I mean now there's mattress manufacturers there's you know underwear companies you know shaving so it's like somehow that seems weirder than you know uh, a male toy Justin you need to get on these sponsors for comical man <laughs> Well, we're trying to get dude wives. We've been tr- we've been courting them for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have to kind of explain that for people who may not know, because I, I uh, right here it's all probably in jokes, but there may be some people listening who aren't too familiar with Comical, so you may okay. have to explain that one just a little bit. So, so Miguel, my co-host on Comical, uh, he and I constantly get each other like gag gifts. Like we don't ever give each other serious presents for anything. So, uh, for his birthday last year, I believe it was. I got him a whole bunch of really weird, goofy stuff. But one of the things I got him at the last minute was a package of butt wipes that's actually made by a company called Dude Wipes. And uh, they're, like, scented in this really weird, like, masculine, supposedly scent. Um, And he was like, what the fuck is Dude Wipes? And, like, we laughed about it. We joked about it. And then uh, we tried to get them as a sponsor. Well, at the same time, like Miguel was on some kind of weird tangent where he's trying to get sponsors from everywhere. And he was like talking to Charmin and he was saying, hey, I really like your product. Would you like to be our, spo- our sponsor? And he's talking to Dude Wipes. And then the two of them like had like an internet fight over us. But neither one of them actually agreed to be our sponsor. Although we did get a big box of Dude Wipes stuff for free. <laughs> we got like a hat and we got like a whole bunch of extra like sample Dude Wipes. And uh, I think there was a T-shirt that just says Dude on it. 
And uh, yeah, Miguel took most of that stuff because he actually wears it. It's pretty funny. We gave some of it away at our live show last year at Comic Palooza. But yeah, that's, that's basically where it came from. <laughs> it's a real company. They're out there too. Just dudeproducts.com, I think. I love the internet. Can I just say that? <laughs> In addition place. to you know finding out about that and meet you guys, I mean, look, I, where can you go to find this level of entertainment? You can't. You can't find us anyplace else. Only on so does, does the hat say dude wipes on it? It just says dude. Oh, uh, I think they missed an opportunity there to just to kind of go all out. But their their slogan is "woo," so it's like dude wipes "woo." So Miguel's constantly walking around going "woo." <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Ric Flair isn't like you know isn't there like handing out like a summons for that? Yeah. Hey, he's coming to town not too long. Yeah, I think so. He's gonna be here for Comic Palooza, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, how great would it be if you hand him like a package of the dude wipes and be like, "Look." <laughs> I know this is probably one of the weirdest requests you've ever had, but can you hold this and just yell woo? Can you, can you please well, do hey, that? If, if they were our official sponsor, we could make that happen, but we're not going to do it for free. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> or, <laughs> or just call Dude Wise. Like, look, we can get Nature Boy Ric Flair to promote one of your products, but you got to give us a little something, you know, in return here. What's Rick, what's Ric Flair getting? Probably nothing. <laughs> it's Ric Flair. I mean, he's getting on. Dude Wipes. That's the ultimate gift. Yeah, like. That's he the ultimate the gift. <laughs> you can keep those, Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How quickly do we just devolve into just horrible, horrible people? <laughs> uh, George, at first, I, I almost felt bad because it's like, how did you end up with this band of miscreants? But I'm like, you know what? You're, you're all right. <laughs> no, I fit right in. Sometimes I'm a little bit worse. They look at me like, what the fuck did you just say? Wait, you said something that freaks out like uh, you know, Justin? Uh if not Justin, then maybe Carrie, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't uh, think you've ever really said anything that like made me do a double take, but I've seen you do it to Carrie a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> like you just oh, say cool. what I just think you said. My podcast ho- co host is Miguel. Come on, George. Like you can't possibly say anything. That's, that's true. Miguel is kind of a hard one to trump. <laughs> yeah. And I've tried. It, it's it's much tougher because uh, he was on a show. I, I think it was like episode seven, and I was like, I got to get him on something. But now he's he was uh he's on point. Like he's basically like the Thanos of fart jokes. So <laughs> <laughs> the Thanos of fart jokes, man. That, that's a new tagline. That is him. that is a new name for him. <laughs> it's Horsicles, the Thanos of fart jokes. Well, his new thing is that he's running for president. You know, oh started, yeah, that's true. Up his presidential campaign, Horsicles for 2016. Ride him into the future. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Something you can draw. Have somebody draw up the campaign posters for that. Oh, I'm sure Chris is already hard at work on it. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so I I really do appreciate you guys taking the time out and chatting. Mean, this is this has been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. But before we go, obviously, I'm always a fan of shameless self promotion. So please. uh everybody know where we can find uh, the two of you, and then we'll throw out the Kickstarter information one more time. Sure. Uh, so, again, I'm Justin Corbett. Uh, I host Comical Podcast, which you can find at comicalpodcast.com or on iTunes or on Stitcher or on SoundCloud. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at, at Comical Podcast or on Twitter at Comical Podcast. That's pretty much it for me. And I'm George Tripsis, uh, one of the three co hosts for Metal Geeks. And you can find us at Metal Geeks on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Uh, and come laugh and have a good time with us. Our 100th episode is our next episode, so please join in. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. For the Kickstarter, it's going live this Saturday, April 2nd. Um, all you have to do is go to Kickstarter and do a search for Speak No Evil, or you can go to our website, which is graybearcomics.com, and that's G-R-A-Y, bearcomics.com, and it'll take you straight to the Kickstarter. Also, there's a Gray Bear Comics at Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, uh, we're wor- we're working on the Instagram, but it, it's taking some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're posting like little sneak peeks of the art and stuff like that on the social media. So if you want to see some of it ahead of time, uh, just follow us on Twitter or Facebook and you can see what we're working on. Yeah. And again, the Kickstarter goes live April 2nd. Please help us out if you can. Yeah, especially if you can help us on day one. I've heard from multiple people that have had successful Kickstarters that if you get a lot of people to pitch in day one, you have a much better chance of getting promoted by Kickstarter as one of the featured projects. Um, and if we get featured, then of course we'll definitely make our goal. So, you know, we'd really appreciate anybody that can do anything on day one. 
Awesome. I'll be definitely uh, be willing to check that out. And for everybody else, you heard that. And, well, I'm not going to bore you with all my details. I have a nifty little commercial at the end of the show that handles all that. But, uh, Justin, George, thank you guys for hanging out. Thanks for having me. Thank again, you for it's having been us, a blast. Man. Anytime, man. You're more than welcome to come back. And uh, definitely listen to their podcast. Listen to mine. Um, obviously, you're already listening to this. But support any podcast, damn it. Listen to us. And also, quick shout-out to uh, Tangent Bound Podcast, which is my network. Thanks to Mark and the guys who run that one. You're fantastic. And also, huge shout-out to the Potter and Family Movement, which has uh, been making waves the last couple of months. And I think it's a really cool thing that, you know, there's there's something that's helping shows a, you know, not only just promote, but also just share the awesomeness. Because, I mean, there's so many great shows out there. And now it's a problem of when do I have time to listen to all you guys? <laughs> it's actually funny, uh, Potter and Family, the movement. It started the same night that George and I got together and, and fleshed out the comic for the first time. So the whole time George and I were sitting there talking about it, my phone was going because I was in the, the Twitter message discussion about Potter and Family, and everybody right. was trying to come up with all the ideas for that, and my phone just blew up. I had like 650 text notifications uh, by the time the night was over. Uh, but yeah, there's they've been very helpful. We actually did two interviews promoting the book from just various shows we met through the movement, so that's pretty cool. And I'm hoping we'll get a lot more before the Kickstarter's over. Thank you. And for everybody else, that'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues. And we will see you next issue. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm His Issues. Wait, what? Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm... Wait, wait, that's not right. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm Eileen. Tune in to the Adrian Has Issues podcast. Each week we chat with some great people. Including me from time to time. Comic book creators, comedians. Musicians and actors. Tax collectors, Zamboni drivers. <sighs> Point is, basically anyone willing to sit down for a geeky discussion or two on all things pop culture. Visit AdrianHasIssues.com where you can download and stream every episode. Especially the ones featuring yours truly. Visit Adrian Has Issues on Facebook and Twitter. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review and tell me how amazing I am. Us. I mean us. Ah, oh, McKenna, you're way cooler than I am anyway. Aw, oh, thanks, babe. Oh, and Adrian Has Issues is also a proud member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Awesome. Nice save, Brodor. <sighs> Visit AdrianHasIssues.com. <laughs>